Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Hammer and Umpire podcast. I know some of you out there are fans of the show, and you've been waiting for a new episode for a while. I'm sorry I haven't put one out for a little while yet, but uh, here we go. You know, I've got a few things to talk about. I'm going to talk about goals and the recent umpire camp that I just went to this past weekend. And, um, you know, I'm always thinking about umpiring, but sometimes life gets in the way of the of the podcast and I'm not able to slice out some time to, to make that happen. And I apologize for that. But the weather is getting colder. I mean, I'm going to be inside a lot more and I'm going to have a little bit more time to push out a few new podcast hopefully on a little bit more regular basis um i did a good amount of umpiring over the summer probably around 60 games or so um through different travel leagues and such um so i was able to you know maintain um my timing and and mechanics and things like that um pretty well um it was a bit of a challenge to go to the umpire camp not having worked any three man or anything during the regular season but um you know, studied my mechanics manuals and was able to get back into that pretty well. My signing is pretty much done. I've been doing that since June all the way through October here because the uh, league that I signed for has had a fall league and, and a tournament as well. And I picked up a few other opportunities with that. And very soon, I'm going to have to start getting things together for high school assigning. I still plan on doing that here um, come the spring, but that starts in the late fall and in, in, into the winter time uh, where we're gathering schedules and inputting them into Arbiter and making that all come together as well and making sure we have enough umpires. And um, yeah, so there's you know lots of behind the scenes kind of things that go along with that that uh, I think sometimes umpires don't quite realize that you know they don't just show up on Arbiter. You got to make things happen for yourself. Um, so that's pretty much the deal. Uh, I, I appreciate you guys tuning back in. I'm sorry that, uh, I've been absent for a while. Uh, I just started teaching again. You know, I, I'm a high school teacher, history and English teacher. And so we have this, um, format that we're doing this kind of, um, well, there are some students that have chosen to be virtual, but there's this hybrid format that I teach where I have like half my class classes, you know, on Mondays and Tuesdays, and the other half on Thursdays and Fridays, and kids are off on Wednesdays and do virtual things. And and so that has definitely been um, a challenge. We have this online Canvas program that we use now that we had to learn how to use and teach the students how to use, and then, of course, actually try to teach something through it. So that has definitely taken um, a good deal of my time up because um, that is my real job. <laughs> yeah, You know, I wish my real job was just, you know, doing podcasts and umpiring and everything. I could make the same amount of money, but uh, that's not the way it works. Um, I have to, you know, make some money just like you guys out there and uh, try to do the best I can so that people want to still employ me uh, doing it. And uh, that is kind of the goal. So it's definitely been interesting, you know, 2020. We've still got a little bit left here. There's crazy stuff going on, it seems like, every day, right? But we're surviving. Um, I tell my students that you guys need to remember what this stuff was because your kids or your grandkids are going to ask you about what it was like living through this pandemic and what was happening. And so everybody's opinions and and experiences are a little bit different, but uh, they definitely should remember them and, and try to point them out. Just like I'm sure people ask, hey, what was it like living through the Great Depression or 
What was it like living through World War II or those kind of things? Or me, you know, asking my parents what it was like living in the 1960s and growing up in in that time period. So, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, It'll be nice when we're through it. It'll be nice if there's a time where we can get back to something that's kind of normal. But, you know, we're never going to really... I think it's going to be a long time before we feel like things are back to normal because you're going to remember stuff. I mean, the the moment that, you know, the virus is completely under control and, and nobody ever has to wear a mask or all this kind of stuff, or maybe there's a vaccine or something, and then you're able to do things more in the way that we did it before last March, um, that's going to be very strange uh, for most of us, I think. Um, so hopefully we'll get to that sooner rather than later. Anyway... Let's talk about some umpiring. I just have a couple quick segments. I just wanted to push some kind of episode out for you because I know it's been a while and hopefully it gets you thinking about a few things. And uh, certainly if you have feedback, send me an email, reach out to me on social media, uh, leave me a voicemail through the Anchor app, whatever works for you. I really always enjoy getting feedback um, and, and wanting to know what guys think out there. If you have topics you want me to talk about, uh, feel free to let me know those as well. So sit back for another episode of The Hammer, an umpire podcast. Recently, I had a discussion with my daughter, who's a, a young sophomore in high school. She'll, she'll be 15 soon, about goals and setting goals and, and what we want to do with those. We've had similar discussions. Um, she's a, a varsity golfer here at, at, in high school. And sometimes she... Um, you know, is afraid to set goals because she's afraid she won't reach them. You know, like on the golf course, like setting a goal for a score you're trying to attain or um, some other accomplishment. And um, we've been talking about uh, potential schools she might be looking at. It's only a couple of years away, you know, colleges and universities. She's got some pretty ambitious goals for those two. She's a smart kid, so she um, certainly has a chance to reach them. And so I was talking to her and I said, you know, it's it's okay to have big lofty goals, um, even if you don't reach them. You just have to know that in the end, when you when you look at everything and you look at your life down the road, you know, it might be five years, ten years, twenty years, whatever it might be, that you gave everything you could to try to reach the goal, whether or not you reached it. So, like for her, she wants to go to the University of Chicago or something, then that's her goal. If she does everything she can, she studies, she takes the classes she can, she gets the test scores she can, she does the best she can on the application process and everything else that is involved in all that. And if she doesn't get accepted, that's okay because she tried her best. But she doesn't want to be sitting there thinking in, in 10 years, you know, if I would have done this or that, I might have been able to do that. And this applies to umpiring. You know, I'm turning it back to that because this is an umpiring podcast. We should have goals that we're trying to achieve as umpires. And that that can also be the case with other sports that you officiate or other things in your life for that matter. But let's talk about umpiring. So, you know, my goal is to, to be a Division One umpire and to umpire the highest level of Division One I can. I know that there are things working against me for that, which um, I'll talk about in the in the the umpire camp section of this particular podcast 
But I'm still going to do whatever I can to reach that because when I can't be on the field anymore, I don't want to be sitting around thinking, you know, if I would have gone to that camp or if I would have tried to work that league or if I would have been in better contact with certain people or if I would have worked a little harder on certain mechanics or techniques or, you know, trying to get better at working the plate or whatever it might be, I might have been able to reach that. I want to sit back and think, hey, I did everything I could, and whatever I accomplished was the best that I could do. And I'm okay with that. I'm, you know, And I assume that I will not reach the highest of my goals. Um, but I think I can still reach, reach a few of them along the way. So I challenge all of you out there to do similar types of things as far as your goals. For some of you, that are new to umpiring, your, your goal is to work at a slightly higher level than what you are right now. That might be working um, higher level summer travel ball or um, you know the tournaments that you might be in. If you work high school ball, maybe you're a sub-varsity umpire right now. You're working freshman and, and junior varsity games. Your goal is to work varsity contests. And then from there, eventually, to uh, have a majority of your games be varsity games. And then from there, you would like to work some postseason in your state tournaments, you know, for your your high school associations. Um, Starting out at, you know, the lowest level, like for us, that's district, all the way up to maybe the state finals. If you're able to do that and you're doing well, maybe you consider umpiring some collegiate ball. Most people start out usually in the uh, junior college ranks and maybe the, you know, junior varsity games for Division Three or NAIA, which are similar to junior college games. And then from there, you see how you do and maybe you try, try to work your way up, you know, working league contests. Maybe you are able to work some postseason. Maybe you're able to move up to Division Two or eventually Division One or something and get some lower level stuff there. Um, it just is one step at a time, and and it does take it takes multiple years to do those things. Um, yes, there are a few special people that are able to come right in and skip over some of the steps, maybe, or move right away to a higher level of uh, competition and uh, assignments. But for I would say ninety five plus percent of us. Um, that's not the case. At the camp, I believe it was Rich Fetchett that mentioned that it's always better to be five years late for, you know, a level that you think that you can work than five minutes early. And uh, basically what he means by that is that the guys that get to some spot before they're really ready usually burn out pretty quickly and frequently never get the opportunity again. But if you come a little bit later than you think you should have, maybe in some cases much later, you, you have a tendency to be able to um, handle it and stick around and have some longevity. And, you know, maybe you can stay at that level for 10, or 10 years or 15 years or however long you can umpire from that point forward. So that's something to keep in mind. That's really hard in, in today's society, especially the younger you are, I think. To understand that sometimes things just take time and and it takes it can take years. I recall um, when I when I coached 
high school wrestling that there are certain guys that maybe started wrestling when they were in middle school or maybe their freshman year of high school and they expect it to be really good like you know within a month or something like that and then they realize there's some other guys that have been doing this for a while they were kicking their butt literally all over the uh, the map but if they stuck with it and they had some athletic ability and they were coachable they could be a very good wrestler within two or three years but you know that's not what everybody wants to to do they don't want to wait three years for something they want some instant gratification and unfortunately that's not the way things usually work out for something that's really worth it and umpiring really is worth it right i mean if if you were told for sure that if you stick with this in 15 years you're going to be at this spot in 10 years you're going to be at this spot um then you're more likely to to stick with um the program and the way things are developing but some guys think they'll never get the opportunity or, or they get jealous or whatever the case may be. Nonetheless, we only have control over what we're doing. We only have control over the effort that we put into um, this profession for some and, and hobby for others. Um, we certainly don't want it to dominate our life. You know, I mean, we, we have family and work and other obligations that we have. But if we can put everything we possibly can into it, then it's very likely you can reach um, a good number of your goals out there. So I think here as the, as the weather gets colder here in the, in the northern part of the country, these are some things to, to think about. Uh, what are your goals? How can you achieve those? And uh, what are you going to do to try to make those happen so that in years down the road, you're not sitting around in your chair watching TV wondering if you could have done something a little bit better. This past weekend I was able to once again attend the Bruce Stone Senior Midwest three-man invitational camp here in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. Normally the camp is uh, set for late September but with uh, all the pandemic things going around uh, it was rescheduled and kind of combined with Midwest two-man invitational camp and we, we had to um, you know Things had to be moved around in the area compared to what they normally are able to do because certain fields weren't available and, you know, just the typical 2020 stuff that we all seem to be dealing with and, and they had to with the camp. But I commend um, Bruce and um, everybody involved, Tim Farwig, the, the, his main guy that uh, puts together a lot of the, of the camp um, schedule and everything for making it happen. And all the instructors and the the campers too, which I was one of. You know, we all made it happen. Um, it was a cool weekend here in the Grand Rapids area last weekend. You know, uh, started out at eight thirty in the morning, and it's like thirty eight degrees or something. But uh, we avoided the rain pretty much, and were able to get everything in. So it started Friday night, and on Friday night we worked on um, safe outs and and um, calling balls and strikes. You know, like they do in the in the professional camps because we have some former minor league guys there that um, know how to run that kind of stuff. So we did that and we talked about plate work and technique and those kind of things. And uh, that was interesting. One of the things I, I've liked that they've done at this camp uh, before that they didn't get to now, which it, it seems like they could have maybe worked it in Friday night. Maybe they will in the future. And I'll suggest that is that um, Brent Rice who used to be the, uh, former lead instructor at the Wendelstein camp would do this pause, read, react drill, like like you would do with the 
the minor league umpires that they were training um, back when he was there. And so he'd have a fungal bat. You go on like like a softball field, if that's available. That's a nice size, so you don't have to run the full field necessarily. And he would have fungals in certain spots. You, know, you might get a few gloves and guys, you know, catch a ball or throw it here or there or whatever. Or if you want to get guys to like kind of jog the bases and things. And work on pausing, reading, and reacting, which is important um, in any mechanics you're working. Two, four, six, whatever, you know, and three, of course. Uh, what, what, you know, we're there for three. But it's even more important for for three man in particular because there's a lot more of reading your partner and reading the ball and uh, making a good read and then reacting and, and doing the proper mechanics and the proper rotations or reverse rotations that you have to do. So, um, you know, some guys, there was a few guys here know that struggle with some of that, but I think it's a great drill. And if, if that could be done Friday night before people get on the field, you know, in live game action on Saturday and Sunday, I think that's great. But nonetheless, it was good. And, and on Friday night, we were able to um, to listen to Brent Rice talk about weather issues, you know, and dealing with weather-related issues and what makes games official or not and um, all the nuances with that. He's, you know, got quite a few presentations on all kinds of topics. Like he's got one that I've seen him and heard him do at uh, different camps on batting out of order and going through everything there. And I think I understand batting order order pretty well, but he'll make your head spin. Um, with the weather issues, you know, that, that's something that's a struggle for um, a lot of people. Um, you know, it's a game management type of thing. Same thing with darkness. Darkness is a, is a trouble point with with a lot of umpires as well and um, being able to handle that. So we went through that uh, on Friday evening. So that was definitely uh, useful and, and something that all of us have to deal with from time to time. On Saturday, we started early as well, and uh, we were fortunate to have Mike Conlin and Rich Fetchett uh, in, in attendance in the morning, and then um, Mike Conlin was there actually Saturday and Sunday as an instructor. And those are, for my area anyway, the two um, Division One assigners. Um, they both, um, well, any kind of Division One assignment that I might have the chance to get it would come from one of those two gentlemen mike conlin um is you know a four-time college world series umpire and also officiates uh collegiate football and and basketball at a very high level division one level and coordinates some uh, conferences uh, for basketball as well anyway for baseball he's a supervisor of umpires for the missouri valley the horizon conference and the summit league so um a mid-level uh, division one baseball and um that's in this part of the country so he he's definitely a, a guy that could give me games if he ever decided to i don't know if he ever will he, he got a chance to see me work a little bit he's seen me before so it's up to him i guess um there's only so many opportunities out there so i, I know what it is and then uh, rich fetchett who i've mentioned before um Himself a three-time College World Series umpire and um, uh, Big Ten uh, football official and, and and such. Anyway, he's a supervisor of umpires for the American Athletic Conference, uh, the Big East, the Big Ten, the Mid-American Conference, um, uh, and the Big 12, I believe. There could be something else, but I believe that's what he, he has. 
he um, was the one that gave me a couple of the D1 non-cons I had um, for last spring that ended up being canceled, of course, that were um, Mid-American Conference um, games. So both those guys were there in the morning and talking about a variety of topics, uh, usually the things they seem to, to cover, um, which are always useful and interesting to hear, are, you know, what are they looking for? And uh, what are they not looking for? And what does it take to be a Division One collegiate umpire? And um, other things that are going on in the college baseball world um, whenever they might be speaking. What really stuck with me as far as their their talk was, you know, the, the difficulties it's going to be for us guys that are really low on the totem pole, maybe just trying to break into some very low-level D1 for the opportunities this coming spring, based on the way things are looking right now. Um, for example, the the Big Ten um, has been at four umpires the last couple of seasons for conference and non-conference games, and they're looking like they're going to have three umpires for all games. Um, the Mid-American Conference is at three umpires still, and some of the ones that Mr. Conlon um, uh, assigns as well but there's talk that they could go to two umpires. There's also talk that they won't have any or very few non-conference games. So that definitely greatly reduces the the chances, you know, for certain guys to break through. Guys like me, to be honest with you. And so th- that's the way it is, I guess. Um, nothing you can really do about it. You just keep working. I mean, I'm going to the camp. I'm being seen. If there's an opportunity... Maybe I'll get it. If I don't, maybe it'll be next year. Maybe it'll be never. I I don't know. Um, But I'm going to give it my go, right, and um, see what happens. You know, the problem is, too, for for everybody below the very top guys, if you take one very good umpire um, out of those D1 four-man crews, then that guy bumps down to maybe D2 or something, you know, maybe lower-level D1. And then somebody from there bumps down to the D3, and then the NAIA, and then somebody bumps down to the JUCO, and you know it just kind of domino effects all the way down. So that's that's less opportunities, and and usually in the very end, it's going to be somebody at the very very bottom that doesn't get a game. Um, so for guys like me that've been around for a little bit, and and hopefully have proven themselves to people, and continue to try to, I'm going to get games. I'm just you know, maybe not going to get the games, types of games that maybe I was getting before. We'll see. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, one of my goals is to try to work some postseason at some point in, in one of the leagues that I've worked in. Maybe I'll get a chance at that. Maybe not. I, I don't know. We'll see how the postseason tournaments are even run or if they even are run. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, you can't really get a chance at postseason if there is no postseason, if they just end it or something. So, um, the, those things that they mentioned, um, I kind of heard about those and, and, and such and seen some emails sent out and other communication. But um, when you hear it straight from the guys that are going to be trying to assign and figure things out, then it, it definitely hits home a little bit more. So definitely um, interesting and, um, you know, a little disconcerting, but that's just the way it is, I guess. So also on Saturday... Um, we had a little mini session uh, as far as three-man mechanics that was run on the field by um, Tim Farwig and um, Mike Duffy, which was very useful. 
It wasn't quite the pause, read, react drills, but definitely some useful stuff that we talked about that helped before people were getting on the field in, in live game action. And then everyone, we were broken into um, groups of four um, for the three-man group. And so we all were able to work all the positions, um, plate third and first, uh, on Saturday and Sunday for that matter. So that was very useful. I was uh, on the field that had Mark Ewell and Dave Ewell. Um, Mark Ewell is the head of the MHSAA here and a two-time College World Series umpire. And his brother Dave is a former AAA umpire that's probably on his way to a College World Series very soon as well. Um, and so, you know, very, very knowledgeable, really nice guys that uh, helped us out um, with different um, aspects of working three-man. Things went pretty smoothly, um, more so than in past years that I've been there. Um, it usually seems like uh, I do something really kind of silly or something and, and mess up a mechanic or something like that. I don't mess any calls up, but I do something that's like, man, what was I thinking? But I, I felt like my mechanics pretty good, a little more natural. I knew where I was supposed to be. Um, probably the biggest mistake I made on Saturday, there was, uh, I was on overthrows. I mean, on two-man overthrows are pretty straightforward. I mean, pretty much, it's the plate guy. It's got overthrows, you know, almost all the time, 99% of the time. Um, so we all know that. Um, but um, really in, in the mechanics middle, that's, that's kind of the case. Whoever is on the plate, you know, if, if you had a rotation and the first base umpire came down there, then he's going to end up getting the overthrows. But, you know, I'd looked at all the other stuff that was in the manual, and we had a couple overthrows, like on a pickoff throw and a wild throw the first from, like, the shortstop. And uh, I didn't know if I was supposed to foul the ball or if I was supposed to cut inside and do a reverse rotation. And so we worked it out. But that's why you go to the camps, too, you know, so that you learn those kind of things. Because if I am lucky enough to get an assignment someplace, I'm going to know that. You know, and I definitely want to know it when it's a college game. You know, that makes makes a lot more of a difference to me. If it's this fall travel ball thing that we're doing and I kind of mess it up a little bit, I don't like messing up anything, but I, I can handle that a lot better for sure. So that was really the biggest thing on Saturday. I thought my uh, strike zone was pretty good. You know, I've got a, a good number of games in this summer and into the fall. So I hadn't really worked the plate for about a week or so, but it was pretty solid i think i think all of us did a pretty good job and so that that was good we talked about the uh, rotations for overthrows and stuff on sunday morning and then we were able to work on a different field uh in the afternoon uh with mike conlin supervising and mike duffy um mike duffy also being a college world series umpire himself and so they gave us a, a lot of feedback as well and that went pretty smoothly. We had a, a few strange plays here and there, but uh, and, and some reads on some uh, fly balls. I mean, you always have more time than you think to read, you know, to pause and read it and then react to something. Then you might think uh, when you first start working three-man, you're going too fast. And so you have to have good eye contact with uh, your partners and seeing their signals, if they got their hand up telling you they've got something, those kind of things. But, um, you know, one of the... Uh, a younger umpire that hadn't really worked much three men and hadn't been to the camp before. So there were some mistakes that he had made that, which is fine. It's okay to make some mistakes that I know I had made before when I had first come. So we had to talk about a few of those things, you know, not coming up the first base when there was a fly ball to right and the first base umpire went out when, with nobody on. Um, uh, 
uh, you know, where you're going as far as ground balls and stuff. When he was working first base, you know, being able to pause, read, and react his balls. He was cutting in like it was two-man when he should have been just dropping back um, to like his little, you know, library working kind of area by the uh, first base coach's box to get his fly ball. Um, those kind of things. But we worked those out. So, uh, you know, I think he learned a lot. And, you know, you always learn by watching other people as well. It's always really easy to see any misrotation or mechanics or something when you're standing on the other side of the fence. But when you're out there and you got to read it and figure it out yourself, that's um, definitely a little bit tougher. But all in all, um, a really good weekend. And I was happy we were able to get it all in with um, the cooler, not so great weather. But, you know, the weather kind of represented what it's like here in the Midwest during the college baseball season in the early spring so again i felt good about going um i tried to get to at least one camp each year and try to improve myself and i always learn some stuff for sure and um feel a little more confident when i get done because you know sometimes if you haven't worked three man in a long time you're like hey can i still do this <laughs> i mean uh two man or other types of things that's like riding a bike but Three man is not that that way right now. Actually, I probably had worked more four man in that time period since then. Um, so that was nice to get back out there, and I feel like I, I could do it if I was able to get some kind of assignment. I, I'm I'm confident I could handle it, and that's really what you need. Until you feel like, hey, you know, you give me some D one thing, you give me some postseason, they're working three man, I can go out there and do it. I'm not saying that I might not mess up some kind of mechanic or something like that a little bit, you know, but I'll make sure I'm in the right spot. I might be slightly confused here or there for a second, but I'll figure it out and I feel pretty confident that I can make it happen. And if you can't say that, then you're not really ready to move on, at least as far as I'm concerned. So that's my report from the the Doan three-man camp for this year. Um, I plan on it going again next year. That's what I usually do. And hopefully uh, there'll be some more opportunities at the higher levels starting in 2022 than there might be in 2021. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Hammer and Umpire podcast. Thanks for sticking with me through a couple of quick segments that I have here. I hope in the uh, near future you start thinking about what you're going to be doing here in the off season. Uh, I, unless you, I, I know some of you guys live in Texas or Florida or California or something like that or someplace warm that, that they might play baseball through the summer. So that's awesome. I don't know. I'd be interested to know what what you guys do in the wintertime down there or how much baseball there is. You know, through like let's say um, November, December, January. Do you have quite a bit down there? Um, let me know about that. I, I find that very curious. Um, Anyway, uh, for most of us that are in the colder states, uh, we're not going to have any baseball. There might be some opportunities to, um, you know, in the, as the spring rolls around to get inside and see some pitches and stuff. I know my uh, local high school association that, that I help with, they're planning on doing some uh, cage work and other clinics um, at the indoor facilities because, you know, the travel teams here uh, still practice inside throughout the winter and work on different things. So there's opportunities to go call pitches or do some other things as well. So they're going to try to do that. And um, I think everybody should be looking into those kind of things. How can you get involved into in your local associations? And how can you stay sharp uh, with your skills throughout the wintertime so that uh, when spring rolls around, you're able to 
to get it going and make sure that uh, you're you're ready to have a good season and hopefully everything is maybe a little bit back to normal. So keep those things in mind and uh, hope everybody's staying safe and healthy out there. Until next time, if you can, keep calling strikes.